45 minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Israel 
J.M. in the A.M. Good morning. Welcome, everybody, to a, another great edition of this wonderful radio broadcast. It's time for a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, with uh, Yehuda and Ashes Chayel. Uh, before that, you heard 613 with Mim Komcha, Yom Zed done by Bitachon. A.K. Pella had a done alum, Leif Tahar from 613. Cole Zimra with Menucha Vesimcha, 613 with Lachado D. Ari Goldwagon, Yibane, and Bowie. And, of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday on this uh, July the 22nd. Happy birthday to Yoni Pollock. Those of you out there who are in touch with Yoni during the day, make sure to wish him the very best on this uh, big occasion. Day number 23 in the month of Tammuz. The year is 5782, Tufshin Pei Bays. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Pinchas outside of Israel with candle lighting time at 8 p.m. on this Erev Shabbos. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av will be next Friday, a week from today. Again, Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av, a week from today on a Friday, a one-day Rosh Chodesh. That'll begin the nine days. One week from today will begin the nine days on this, uh, or, or the upcoming, I should say, Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av. Uh, let's see what we have outside. We've got uh, 74 degrees here in Teaneck, New Jersey, with a sunny uh, to then partly cloudy weather. High temperature of 86, mostly clear tonight, low 63. Looks like mostly sunny for tomorrow with a high temperature of uh, 88 degrees. Sunday looks like pretty good weather, Baruch Hashem, for Hask Experience Day. I hope this good weather stretches out to the Catskills. And then we have uh, amazing day, an amazing day weather-wise and otherwise on Sunday. Uh, right now, Yerushalayim is at 84. Up in Guilford, New York, our friends at Camp Missouri enjoying 60 degrees. We're at 74 here in Teaneck, New Jersey, as we say good morning at JM in the AM. Hello to listener Tikva, who has checked in from uh, the Holy Land. Listener Mensch. Loves our Friday broadcast from Oak Park, California. Today's my favorite day of the week. Weekly update in Rabbi Yudin. I also enjoyed your interviews with authors of recent Sfarim. I appreciate that very much. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and certainly comment away. Camp Hask has their Hask Experience Day coming up on Sunday. Lots of people will be gathering. Uh, Joey Newcomb, Mordechai Shapiro, Mendy Warch, DJ Hudakris, Yossi Zweig, Nachi Gordon, Mendy Hershkowitz Band. It's a day in Camp Hask where staff, family, alumni, and friends. There'll be an exciting carnival there. It's all happening between 10 and 2. We hope to get our radio broadcast started at 9 a.m. And you'll hear the radio broadcast from Hask Experience Day. Um... You will hear the Hask Experience Day broadcast on Monday between 6 and 9 a.m. right here at JM in the AM. That is our uh, that is our commitment to you to bring you that broadcast on Monday after what will no doubt be an exciting day at Camp Hask on Sunday. 
All right. Erev Shabbos. Plenty more coming up. Thanks for tuning in. Here's Ari Goldwag at JM in the AM. Oh, I hope we don't have the same problem we had yesterday. That would be awful. <laughs> Can't figure this out. But it seems that we are having the same problem as yesterday. Wow. That is weird. Uh, okay. We'll try to restart our our music base here at JM in the AM and uh, see if we can get things going again. That is something. And I think it happened around the same time yesterday. Am I right? I think it happened around the same time. Hmm. Anyway, let's see if uh, let's see if this helps out at all. Um, here we go. Na, 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 na.
JM in the AM coming up on the uh, 7 o'clock top of the hour. And our news from Israel is on the way. Thanks for tuning in on a Friday morning era of Shabbos. Weekly update with Malcolm Honline is coming up. You heard Yigdal from 613. Moshe Storch with Take Me Home. Kiavi, that was the cast of the Waterbury Group here at JM in the AM. And Ari Goldwag opened up that set with Imesh Gachech. 8 o'clock in New York is candlelighting time, or at least is candlelighting time in New York, I should say. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Pinchas outside of Israel. Um, well, Ben Rosh Chodesh tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av, is uh, going to be on Friday. One week from today, one day Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av is going to be on Friday. And again, we bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Sunday, we're at Camp Hask Experience Day. Should be a lot of fun with a uh, major concert following our broadcast and much, much more. You'll hear the broadcast Monday morning between 6 and 9 right here at JM and the AM. Uh, the show I do from Camp Misora on Monday, that you'll hear Tuesday morning here at JM and the AM between 6 and 9 a.m. So lots happening in an exciting week. Thursday next week, Jason Greenblatt. With his brand new book, he is scheduled to be in studio with us here at JM in the AM. Dr. Moshe down in Pikesville, Maryland, wishes us a good Shabbos. Reminds everybody to be cool. Hard to do these days with the temperatures the way they are. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday is next. We say Boker Tov from JM in the AM. Galitzal, Shalom Rav, רוסיה מאשרת כי תחתום היום באיסטנבול על הסכם יצוא תבואה מאוקראינה דרך הים השחור. דובר הקרמלין דימיטרי פסקוב אמר בשיחה עם עיתונאים כי שר ההגנה סרגי שויגו נסע לטורקיה לקראת החתימה על ההסכם. כתבת חדשות החוץ גל אשת מציינת כי ההחלטה על ההסכם התקבלה בפסגה המשולשת בין מנהיגי רוסיה, איראן וטורקיה בטהרן. טקס החתימה... בטקס החתימה צפויים להשתתף גם נשיא טורקיה ארדואן ומזכ"ל האו"ם אנטוניו גוטיירש. דאגה הולכת וגוברת בסוכנות לאנרגיה אטומית מהתקדמות פרויקט הגרעין של איראן. יושב ראש הסוכנות רפאל גרוסי אמר בריאיון לעיתון הספרדי אל פאיס כי איראן דוהרת קדימה ולסוכנות אין בחודשים האחרונים שום יכולת לפקח על התהליך. נותר לנו חור שחור שספק אם נצליח למלא בהמשך, אמר גרוסי. פרשננו לענייני צבא וביטחון, אמיר בר שלום, מזכיר שביוני איראן הסירה את כל ציוד הניטור של הסוכנות שהותקן במסגרת הסכם הגרעין הקודם שנחתם ב-2015. הטרגדיה בכרמי יוסף, בעלי הווילה בה נהרג אתמול כליל קמחי בן ה-32 שנשאב לבולען בעת ששהה בברכה במקום, שוחררו למעצר בית. בני הזוג בשנות ה-60 לחייהם חשודים בגרימת מוות ברשלנות. מחקירה ראשונית עולה כי המקום פעל ללא רישיון עסק והבריכה נבנתה ככל הנראה ללא היתר. ידיעה שהעבירה כתבתנו הדש טייף. מכוניתו של הרב דוב ליאור מבכירי רבני הציונות הדתית הוצתה הבוקר סמוך לביתו שבשכונת בית אורות בירושלים על פי חשד בידי צעירים ערבים. כתבתנו בבירה יערה אברהם מעדכנת כי המשטרה פתחה בחקירה.
משטרת העיר מכה עצרה אדם שסייע לעיתונאי גיל תמרי להיכנס לתחום העיר הקדושה והוא מצוי בחקירה. מדובר בעיתונאי מקומי שעניינו נתון כעת לטיפול התביעה הכללית. דובר משטרת מכה אמר הבוקר כי העצור פעל בניגוד לחוק האוסר כניסת לא מוסלמים לעיר. הוא הזהיר שכל הפרת חוק כזו היא פשע שלא ניתן לגלות סובלנות כלפיו ואחריתה עונש. תמרי נחת בממלכה בדרכון אמריקני ובמהלך ביקורו נכנס למכה. כתבנו לענייני ערבים ג'קי חוגי מציין כי האיסור על כניסת לא מוסלמים לעיר הקדושה מופיע בקוראן. מזג האוויר נאה עם טמפרטורות רגילות לעונה. אלה החדשות. Yeah. 
Actually, a brand new one from the Shapiro Brothers, a cappella version of a Nachem here at JMNAM, opening up the 7 o'clock hour. Our news from Israel, actually, was at the top of the hour. I want to welcome listener Daniel, who's visiting us from Atlanta, Georgia. As I, uh, as I told the audience earlier in the week, he's actually sporting some uh, Camp Missora merchandise, which is a, a great move on his part. We're going to be up in Missora early part of next week, and Tuesday mornings, JMNAM will actually be our... Visit to Camp Missouri. Sunday, we're at Camp Hask Experience Day. And, of course, Monday morning between 6 and 9, you'll hear that broadcast right here at JM and the AM. Weekly update is coming up and plenty more if you keep it here at JM and the AM. I do want to remind our audience that our good friend, Dr. Jay Bienenfeld, is in need of a, um, of a kidney. And we are asking everybody, especially those who have ever been curious if they could be a match for somebody who's in a situation like that, the... Um, uh, the information is as follows. Our friends at Renewal are coordinating the entire effort. Dr. J. Bienenfeld needs a kidney. And if you want to learn more about kidney donation or see if you're a match in this specific situation, you want to email r25555 at renewal.org, r25555 at renewal.org. We continue to pray for our good friend, Dr. J. Bienenfeld, and his family, and we are working toward a, uh, a wonderful positive resolution uh, a very healthy resolution to this whole situation, but we need your help. If you've ever considered kidney donation or if you want to see if you're a match, be in touch with our friends at Renewal. Again, here is the email address, r25555 at renewal.org, r25555 at renewal.org. Harry Rothenberg, he has a uh, he has a presentation regarding Parshas Pinchas that we read outside of Israel this week. Here he is on a Friday morning broadcast at JM in the AM. In last week's Parsha, we saw that King Balak hired Bilam, the evil sorcerer, to curse the Jewish people. Spectacular failure. God turned all the curses into blessings, and Bilam looked like the biggest loser on the planet. But then he made an unbelievable comeback. He went to plan B. He said, Balak, the God of the Jewish people hates immorality. Send the women of your country out to seduce them. That will work. Balak, according to the measure, said back to him, how am I going to convince the women of my country to do that? That's depraved. 
And Balaam said to him, send your daughter. If the princess goes, the other women will follow. And Balak did it. Balaam even scripted it out for him how to go about doing this. And Balak told his daughter how to do it. Set up tents, a marketplace, have an older woman on the outside selling linen garments to the Jewish men because they like to buy those. And then have a younger woman inside to seduce the Jewish men when they come to buy. And that was the plan. But then the women went further, presumably at the direction of Cosby, the princess. The women added idolatry to the list of sins. They said to each one of the Jewish men, we will not submit to you unless you worship the idol, Peor. In fact, the Talmud tells us that Cosby, the name of the princess that we're told at the beginning of this week's Parsha, was not her actual name. It was a nickname. Her real name was Shevilnai. She was called Cosby for a couple different reasons. One of them was that she said to her father, in connection with this episode, Kosbi Amze, slaughter this nation through me. She was thinking, once I'm there, seducing the Jewish men, I might as well add on idolatry. I might as well make sure that their God will kill them. And she was very successful, unfortunately. 24,000 men of the tribe of Shimon were killed in a plague as a result of this episode. So what lesson can we tease out from this? Maybe we can apply the same mindset. Just like Cosby, you know, I might as well once I'm here. Once I have gone to shul to pray, I might as well stay for a little extra while, in the morning, in the afternoon, and or in the evening. Five minutes, learn a Mishnah, learn a law, a halacha. Once I'm writing a check to charity, I might as well add on a few bucks, 18 bucks, 36 bucks, 180 bucks, a zero at the end if you can. Once I'm doing a chore for a spouse or parent, favor for a friend, I might as well do an extra one. I might as well do even more than they asked. I know they'll like it, they'll enjoy it. Cosby realized how powerful it can be to add a sin to a first one once you're there. It's gotta be more powerful to add a mitzvah to a mitzvah you're already doing, or to do the one you're doing in an even better fashion. Lidu 
done by Baruch Levine here on a Friday morning era of Shabbos. Well, as I said, we have a visitor from Atlanta, Georgia, believe it or not. Listener Daniel is one of those people that uh, travels during the summer months and travels with JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network. He actually schleps us along in his phone. It turns out not to be that big of a schlep, frankly, for those of you familiar with how these things work these days. But it is a pleasure to welcome him to our broadcast. Listener Danielle Wenger is here visiting Teaneck, New Jersey, all the way from Atlanta. Good morning to you. Good morning and good Arab Shabbos, Nachal. Good Arab Shabbos. How are things down in the, uh, what do we call it, the something peach state, right? Yeah, we're in the Peach State. Oh, it is the Peach in, State? In, in Hotlanta, <laughs> as some call it. <laughs> right. um, although right here, it's, it feels just as comfortable. I was just going to say, you're probably the, around the same temperature down there yeah, as exactly. up here. Uh, people don't realize, or at least some people uh, listening around the world who have never been to Atlanta don't realize just how much Atlanta is the capital of the Jewish South, uh, although some of the places in Florida might argue with that. But geographically, you guys are really set up well to be the capital of the Jewish South with so many Jewish communities and major cities 
uh, around you an hour, two hours, three hours away, etc. cetera. And um, uh, I don't think people realize just how much Atlanta has grown over the last few years. We had a little bit of an experience there uh, with your help a few years ago. I would assume it's just growing more and more. Indeed. This is, this is that time of year where folks are moving in for the new school year. Right. As then there's going to be a lot of people are going to be surprised when they come into town and they see right now everyone is off for the summer. People are at summer camp. Our drive here now is to pick up our daughter from sleepaway camp. Huh. And when they're going to come in in another two, three weeks after Tishabov, it's going to be jam-packed with dozens of new families that we already know about, let alone those who are going to show up at our shul, at the several shuls, at the several towns in the Atlanta metro area. And Baruch Hashem, it's a growing, it's a growing town. And you and I uh, spoke off the air a minute ago about the same malady or the same situation that is happening in Atlanta as we're getting used to in other major cities around the United States, and that is housing prices. Uh, those people who are uh, anxious to be part of the Jewish community uh, sometimes have to go to really outlying areas. Um, I don't want to say God-forsaken areas; that wouldn't be fair, but outlying areas and more rural areas in order to get great value for their dollar in terms of housing. And that's happening where you are as well. Yeah, there's there's a little bit of a, of a housing crunch. Right. There's, Baruch Hashem, there's still a lot of apartment spaces. So people are coming and are landing in rentals and apartments. And there's work now on some geographic expansion. Uh, there are several Eruvim around town. Atl- the Atlanta metro area has several smaller and larger Jewish communities. And the Eruvim are large enough to have more people in them. Uh, so there's, there's been some talks about expanding some of the shuls, opening up a satellite um, to have a, a geographic expansion of the community into places that the, the air of already exists. The infrastructure right. is clearly all there to, to help alleviate some of, some of that stress. Boy, oh boy, I'll tell you. What are some of those neighborhoods called? What are some of the names of the neighborhoods in Jewish Atlanta? So the largest one, of course, is Toco Hills. Um, There's Dunwoody, there's Sandy Springs, there's even uh, Alpharetta, a little bit farther to the north. Um, The Virginia Highlands has a little bit there. Then, of course, there are Chabad's all over the metro area. Wow, unbelievable. And and there are many Jewish and kosher amenities down there uh, for people to enjoy. And uh, I would guess that, uh, to an extent, it's also a big tourist attraction. You have some... uh, Great factories and museums for people to tour and uh, different sites, plus, you know, sports teams that are pretty well known and high profile for those who follow sports. So uh, Atlanta could be a great vacation spot. Yeah, folks come in. Certainly the Atlanta airport is a major hub. People who have never been to Atlanta have mostly at least flown through ATL at the airport. Um, But folks come through, folks come driving through um, on I-85, I-75, and they stop by at... The world of Coca-Cola and the big aquarium down there. Um, there's also a lot of, within half an hour in any direction, north, south, east, or west, there's so much nature right outside of the city. Right. Um, the Smoky Mountains, um, Stone Mountain, Kennesaw Mountain, a lot of, a lot of nature and the Chattahoochee River. Um, people who want the indoor experiences have downtown. People who want the outdoor experiences have all around. When did you first move to Atlanta? That was 17 years ago. Oh, wow. Do you miss this area? There's, there's a lot. Oh, it was so familiar driving around here again just to get here, <laughs> visiting, visiting Butterflake Bakery this morning. It's so familiar. There's seeing New Jersey Transit. Right. Uh, it's an odd thing to say. <laughs> I miss New Jersey Transit. It's an unbelievable sort of statement. But the efficiencies that, that we're used to here, 
Um, it's not in, in Atlanta. I tell people in Atlanta, you don't have to be a pioneer. We have everything settled. You can come. You can settle. And there are a lot of a lot of cities like this. Right. Um, but there there are certain amenities. There's just the the sheer volume of things going on here in Teaneck, here in the Northeast, in New York Metro, that. Uh, it's it's nostalgic. It's yeah, very nostalgic. I can imagine. Uh, well, I appreciate the visit and uh, best regards to carpool number. What number are we up to these days? <laughs> we were we were carpool two hundred four. We'll let you know if it changes <laughs> for the new school year. What are the odds of it being a different number? <laughs> uh, it's a it's a it's a different. It'll be a different crew every year where we switch around. Uh, so well, thanks for making JMAM part of that carpool experience. Absolutely, it was. It, it's part of so many. Certainly for me growing up, it was part of my experience every morning. And for a lot of us around here, um, still in a commute, still in carpool, whether it's to day camp or to, to school in the morning, right. it's an important part. And it, it, helps, it helps set the tone of the day for going to a yeshiva day school that this is how you start with Jewish music, with Divrei Torah. It's, it's a comfortable way to be. Much appreciated. Danielle Wenger, who we know as listener Danielle from Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you for visiting us this morning. A pleasure. Have a good Shabbos. A good Shabbos. In our temporary studio here in Teaneck, New Jersey. Plenty more coming up, everybody. Don't forget we've got the uh, show from Camp Hask that you'll hear on Monday morning between 6 and 9 a.m. right here at JM in the AM.
I 
In the AM medley of my soul done by Yisachar Drawer here on a Friday morning air of Shabbos. Uh, before that, uh, listener Daniel joined us in studio. I want to thank him. He's all here all the way from uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, always great to see him, whether down there or up here. Candle lighting at 8 o'clock here in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Again, candle lighting at 8 o'clock in New York. Again, make sure... Uh, Make sure you know when things start where you are. Well, Ben Rosh Chodesh Av, Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av, is this coming Friday, one week from today, a one-day Rosh Chodesh. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Pinchas here at JMNAM, at least outside of Israel, Parshas Pinchas. We're at Hask Experience Day. Miriam Alwalek and I are going to be hosting the show this coming Sunday. You'll hear it Monday morning between 6 and 9 from Camp Hask. Tuesday, you'll hear me from Camp Misora between 6 and 9 a.m. Up at Camp Misora for Tuesday's JM in the AM. Jason Greenblatt with his brand new book joins us in studio here in Teaneck on Thursday morning of next week right here at JM in the AM. Big shout out to our friends at A&H. Grilling season is uh, here in earnest. And this coming weekend, I would imagine, between today, Erev Shabbos, Sunday, 
lunch and dinner. And of course, uh, all the way until we get to the nine days, I would assume a lot of people are going to be tossing some delicious A&H hot dogs in all their different varieties on the grill and enjoying them with family and friends. That's the way to do it, everybody. Grilling season is upon us. Make sure you have plenty of A&H hot dogs, all varieties in your freezer and fridge, and that you're all set, especially for this coming Sunday. I just have an idea, or I should say I have a feeling that there's going to be a whole bunch of grilling going on. Try A&H today. Go to kosherdogs.net. Enjoy a 10% discount with promo code radio. And again, a big thank you to our friends at A&H. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. I thank everybody who has chimed in already this morning here at JM and the AM. Uh, this listener says, Hi, Mr. Atlanta, from a fellow Southerner on Carolyn, Carolyn Drive. Shabbat shalom, you all. Thank you for that. Schwiger says, Great spot with Danielle Wenger. I'm very partial to Atlanta as I was born there. My father, Olav was on the committee that hired her by Emmanuel Feldman. Wow. It's an amazing city and, of course, brimming with that special Southern hospitality. A great place to vacation and to live. Thank you, listener Schwiger, for that. Here at JM in the AM. Malcolm Holmline, weekly update. It's coming up if you keep it right here at JM in the AM. Shema Elakim Rinosi. Hakshima Tefilosi. Miktayaret. Elecho ekro Bato eflibi Bitsuyaru mi mani Sanchayani Shema elikim rinosi Hakshiva tefilosi From the ends of the earth I call your name When my heart is weary trying to get closer and I'm trying to get higher but I find myself slipping away so I'm asking you please will you hold my hand and help me stand bring me to a place where all day long they're praising your name and they're singing your song it's there I belong And it's there I want to be I want to be Hashem Lee 
Hodos here at JM in the AM. Waterbury had Mina Meitzar. You heard you saw her drawer in Medley of My Soul. Acapella format, or I should say three weeks format Friday, JM in the AM. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av is next Friday. It'll be a one-day Rosh Chodesh. 
Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av is next Friday. Candle lighting at 8 o'clock in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Sarah Shabbos Parshas Pinchas, at least outside of Israel, will be reading Pinchas this week. We'll be at Camp Hask Experience Day on Sunday. You'll hear that interview coming up, or I should say you'll hear that show coming up Monday between 6 and 9 a.m. right here at JM in the AM. So make sure to be tuned in. Uh, don't forget our friends at jewishworldreview.com. If you want a golden opportunity to print out thousands of articles before Shabbos about Israel and the Jewish world and get expert analysis and commentary, uh, our recommendation is go to jewishworldreview.com. Go to that site and you will be uh, treated to uh, all of the above. Again, jewishworldreview.com. Check it out and enjoy. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Uh, to you. I guess we should start with a refuah shlema, a speedy recovery wish, uh, a wish for a full speedy recovery to the president of the United States who has been uh, diagnosed with uh, COVID and uh, COVID-like symptoms, and uh, we wish the president the very best. No matter what part of the political picture or spectrum one is on, it is appropriate to wish a uh, speedy recovery to the president. I'm sure you agree. I certainly do, and one always has to think of the consequences, and uh, we, we should wish everybody well, no matter what, but when the president uh, is ill, it adds to the, at a time of instability to further instability and the prospect that uh, what will be entailed if uh, he were in any way unable to fulfill his responsibilities would be very serious. Right, hundred percent, and uh, uh, we wish him the best. Uh, the aftermath of his of his trip, and it, obviously last week we spoke a lot about the trip to Israel, uh, but now we have a chance to talk about the uh, trip to Saudi Arabia. Just practically speaking, because the 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 question was, would he ask for you know a an accelerated production of oil and things like that? That in the long run, one would suspect might help the American economy. With with everything that was going on, the controversy surrounding the trip. Practically speaking, did he obtain the results he was looking for? Uh, that's a very good question because we really don't know a lot of the results of what was discussed privately. There are all sorts of hints of the various um, potential increases uh, later on, but you know the the um, the fact that people can assess it. A lot of people have assessed it and said, "Well, he didn't achieve much with Saudi Arabia." That they um, uh, gave him uh, a cool re- reception compared to the very warm reception he got in Israel. And if again, if you look at you know the comments he made when he got there and the other things, he doesn't have that relationship with Saudi Arabia, and he made very harsh statements against Saudi Arabia in 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 the past year. So these things all come back to roost. There, there were very disturbing announcements made by the UAE that they would be sending back their ambassador to Iran, that the both the Saudi Arabia and UAE rejected the idea that was floated of an Arab NATO or an enhanced. Uh, coalition and coalescence that even King Abdullah I re- reported on the program a couple of weeks ago hinted at, and then he retracted. Uh, so that th- that is not uh, happening. But the fact that you had a successful meeting of the GCC without an outcome, meaning that the countries convened, you had Iraq there as well, 
and, and I think that the intention there was to try and wean them away from it and off of their total dependency on Iran, even though that he represents a, a government that adopted a, a law that the any contact with an Israeli is subject to a long prison term or the death penalty. And mm. uh, so whether you, the how the Khashoggi issue was handled, how all these other things, I mean, those were private discussions. You know, the the Saudis, some sources said he didn't raise it. President Biden said he did raise it. Uh, you know, this is always the result when you have quiet uh, diplomacy. Uh, and some of these things should be done quietly. Saudi Arabia is an important ally right now. The situation in the Gulf is very serious. The fact that Putin and Erdogan were in Iran at the time and talked about enhanced cooperation and both in economic and other terms is, uh, you know, is very unsettling. Uh, I was going to ask you about that meeting. As, as you said, Russia, Iran, and Turkey were together uh, in Tehran, uh, represented by their leaders. Um, is this a is this a timely coincidence after the presidential visit and the overture to Saudi Arabia, etc., or is this simply part of the Russian game plan? These things are rarely fully, uh, un, you know, uh, unscheduled or uh, it, it, events that just by coincidence take place. This was Putin's second visit since abroad since he since the invasion of Ukraine, and it shows how important this relationship is. And you had the signing of a deal by the National Iranian Oil Company and Russia's Gazprom, um, a multi-billion-dollar memorandum of understanding on energy investment, and there was also um, they wanted specific endorsements. Russia did of, of the Ukraine by the Iran supreme leader. Uh, there were other statements that were made, which were things that he wanted. But uh, I think Syria was a major issue and of great concern is, was there an understanding that Russia would no longer permit the overflights by Israel? As you know, Israel carried out an attack in Syria um, on a Syrian army base just uh, the day after, I think, the, the meeting broke up. And the uh, you can't compartmentalize the challenges from Russia and China. They are expanding their influence. This Russia, despite all the tremendous burden, they are exporting oil through Iran. Iran is making a lot of money from that. They they there was a train with 300 carloads that crossed the border from Iran into Iran from Russia on its way to India. And they make money on all of uh, all of these things, in addition to trying to be a united front against the uh, United States. And I think the Gulf countries reflect their concerns about it and try to hedge their bets. Um, and I think the fact that Russia and China, on the one hand, are, are getting together and doing what they're doing um, – and uh, when you see the NATO declaring China one of its strategic priorities for the first time. What does that mean, strategic priority for NATO? So it means that, they have, that this that a lot of their resources will be directed at limiting Chinese uh, expansionism through the road and belt and through other means, certainly on a military level to perhaps raise the, the uh, concerns in the China Sea and, and particularly about Taiwan. Uh, you see Nancy Pelosi wants to go, and I think the president is not going to let her. So we're very sensitive to Chinese reactions uh, to everything in China, you know, plays its own interests. 
and there there are dozens of cargo flights to Russia from the IRGC and you know they're making a lot of money out of it there's growing dissension in the country because the money doesn't come to the people of Iran they never get to see the benefits um so it's really a hatred of the United States that's keeping all of these placed people together and the global alliance system and and why I emphasized the uh, various maneuvers, the naval joint naval maneuvers of six, seven, eight countries, the maneuvers in Israel, the air maneuvers, the joint uh, missile defense systems, all these things are posed a direct challenge to to Iran and its hegemonic designs, but also to Russia's designs and, and China. And Russia and China are negotiating their own 20-year comprehensive cooperation uh, agreement that updates one that was signed more than 20 years ago. There's a lot of moving parts to this. So it's and unfair. There, there were also, by the way, just one thing, that they're working together in South America. And I, well, I've warned about this, as you know, for years, talking about the, the, the how government after government in the last year have fallen to extremists and hostile regimes. But in the meantime, they are working together, including Turkey, to expand, to ex, uh, expand their activities and influence, not... 8,000 miles away, but an hour off the uh, Florida coast. Yeah, understood. Um, so to, it's, it's fair to portray Washington as, as um, dropping the ball then on the China piece, because obviously if NATO is reacting and, and, and you know coming up with some type of game plan, I'm assuming the U.S. is quarterbacking that game plan. Is, would that be fair to say? Absolutely. I think that the, the president has actually been put a great deal of emphasis on the – uh, on China. Uh, the question is, what is effective? And we're, we're not about to go to war with China. We shouldn't be going to war with China. Right. We can, though, challenge there that we've given them a free hand to expand their activities to, um, uh, you know, entrench themselves in ever-increasing uh, areas. The uh, the fact that, that we, we should be looking more at how we help the countries between China and Russia and, and Europe meaning the Central Asian countries, which we do very little uh, for. And Erdogan comes in and, and tries to carve out a critical role for himself. He wants to be an arbiter, but he also has a lot of self-interest that he's um, uh, looking at. And just think that, that he's selling armed drones to Ukraine, right. uh, but, and hasn't, but, but hasn't imposed any sanctions on Kremlin. Now Iran is going to be selling the drones to Russia. A, what does it say about Russia's drone capacity? We've seen what's happened to their to the, a lot of the equipment that they sent to Ukraine not being uh, very effective, and the um, the fact that they have to turn to Iran. Uh, for these weapons is is a statement in and of itself. That's why the Turkey piece to this is always confusing to a guy like me because uh, you, know, you you see you see the overtures that they make, including to countries like Israel and the fact that they want to, and and Ukraine, by the way, great example as you just cited. Uh, but at the same time, they're meeting with Russia. They're part of this. I, I don't want to say alliance, but they certainly have an interest in uh, in in uh, you know in maintaining a friendship or whatever you want to call it, diplomatic relations with Russia and Iran. So they, they're sort of like this. I don't want to say hybrid, but they're sort of like a two-headed monster when it comes to this stuff. Well, he also remember Turkey wants to go after the Kurds. They did carry out an operation uh, against in Kurdistan, and it, there were big demonstrations uh, against them in in Iraq 
uh, in Baghdad, demonstration against Turkey. Uh, Erdogan, who also faces tremendous economic pressure, internal dissension against him, uh, he looks to be perhaps the mediator between Russia and the Ukraine right now, perhaps the only guy who can do it. Um, he has hosted two rounds of unsuccessful negotiations between them, uh, but he, he is pushing for a new, a new freedom to move against the, the PKK in uh, northern Syria, which requires at least Russia's acquiescence um, to because there are Russian troops in the area. But more than that, I think that they um, they're looking at getting the grain shipments uh, released in the Black Sea. They're looking at uh, many other issues. Um, Russia has uh, leverage, but the, uh, the biggest leverage they have is that a country like Egypt, for instance, is the world's largest importer of wheat, gets more than 70 percent of it from Russia and the Ukraine. And um, Turkey, I think, gets 80 percent of its supplies from uh, Turkey from uh, Ukraine and Russia, uh, so it's 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 a very complicated picture. You know, people yeah. look at it on the surface, but there are layers upon layers that have implications here. It's sort of like they they have to maintain good relations with everybody as they start up with everybody. <laughs> like they have an interest in, in he has an interest in maintaining good relations with so many of these countries. But this, exactly, but at the same, and, and that's all that they pursue is their their interests. I mean, that's what matters. And he still has his Muslim Brotherhood agenda. Uh, they, they, they move ahead. Russia, Iran is moving ahead all the time on its nuclear program. Um, they're arming, they're stepping up the arming of their um, boats in, in the Persian Gulf to, to challenge uh, the coalescence, coalescence of uh, naval powers on the, against them. And the... Um, you know, we do have to do something quickly to, to put pressure on to release the millions of tons of grain that are waiting to get shipped right. out. People are going to die and are dying because they don't have food, especially if you look at what happens in Africa and Asia and other places. And we will be impacted as well. Question is when? And we just don't know how many months down the road that is. Well, I think if people go to the store and look at the prices of stuff, you right. know, many countries are working hard, including Israel, to right. keep the price of bread down. That's the beginning, but that's not a shortage, but that's the beginning. Right? Well, right. prices go up because you have that. And, well, you have general increase in prices with inflation, but bread is the critical thing because that's what people go to the streets on when right. they can't buy bread and basics. Understood. Um, what is with this uh, Russian demand that the Jewish agency close its office in Russia? So this is a, a very complicated issue because we can't get the exact truth. There were statements issued saying that, that they aren't closing. There definitely is a, a series of hearings going on that uh, in which the Jewish agency is being asked to explain its activities. But clearly there is there is more to it. One Israeli newspaper reported that they were banned, and another one reported they were not banned, and the Jewish agency put out statements saying it's not true, that their operations are continuing. But clearly they are being investigated, that this could be Russia's answer to Israel's support for Ukraine, that uh, it, it will certainly impact Aliyah uh, and the processing of people. As you know, I think this year 16,000 Jews came from Russia already, <laughs> and and the immigration is is increasing, uh, as it is from Beirut and and, uh, and Ukraine. But but Russia was uh, one of the side effects that people 
wasn't anticipated early on. And um, and about 80% of the people who have come from these countries are saying they want to stay now in Israel. We're not talking about those who, who you know, just did it as a refuge, who may not be Jewish, and I'm eligible to the right of return. But the the if, if the Jewish agency is unable to function there, that will make it much more difficult. Uh, maybe the Russians are just uh, finally coming to grips with the fact that they don't want people to leave, and <laughs> the Jewish agency facilitates their citizens leaving. Well, there are people are leaving, especially wealthy people, those who can afford to leave more readily. Um, but you have a lot of elderly Jews. You have others there that. You know, it's not so easy for them just to pick up and, and go. Yeah. And many in the beginning didn't think this was going to last a year and, and be stuck in this battle for so long and that the toll would be uh, so high. But at the same time, they they have very strict enforcement in Russia. You don't see uh, very visible demonstrations. But the all the accounts of polling and stuff shows that there's growing, very fast growing dissatisfaction. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and NachumSiegel.com, and the NachumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. By the way, this Jewish reporter visiting Mecca, this episode reminds us that while Israel makes sure to open up holy sites to everybody and doesn't restrict anybody from doing anything, basically— uh, some might argue with that, but you get my point. Uh, it's not like that everywhere in the world. I think it's an important reminder. Well, this is uh, Mecca has always been a closed city, and I think this reporter did a very foolish thing. And um, you know, if he himself wanted to go and just see it, it's one thing to to write it up, and to write it up as a a great achievement on his part was not only immature, but it was very counterproductive. It aroused great anger in Saudi Arabia. Look, the relationship is is sensitive enough. We still don't have massive buy-in in the Arab populations. It's changing. It's better. Certainly, UAE it's much better. In, in Saudi Arabia, it's it's the numbers are increasingly more positive towards uh, relationships with Israel and Jews coming. But a thing like this sets it back, and it's it's, it's immature and it's it's counterproductive. And and people who it's not the only instance we have of this that uh, doing this can do a great deal of long-term uh, damage and become a uh, basis on which those who oppose the warming relationships can act against enhancing them. So it's very unfortunate, and he apologizes for it and all that, but if you saw the videos and everything you see, he was, he was like a teenager, right. you know, celebrating the fact that uh, he was able to steal something from a candy store. Right, like he got the British officials, uh, the British guards to laugh at Buckingham Palace, that type of... Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that type of victory. <clears throat> what do you think of the Nikki Haley um, um, hint that that the next president of the United States, she, according to her, she will uh, rip up the uh, agreement if there is one between Biden and Iran. What do you think of her prospects for 2024? Well, I was there for the speech because I, I was honored that same night I got to the Defender of Israel or award, I think. Mazal Tov. Award. Thank Mazal you, tov. thank you. Uh, no, but it was, uh, frankly, for people who have never experienced a Kufi Christians United for Israel conference, you cannot imagine what, what it is like to see the Islamists, the warmth, the singing Hatikva, all of these people from one side of this huge conference center to the other, but they all know the words. Yeah. <laughs> and they they sing, uh, they sang Hebrew songs. They, they 
pledge their affinity to Israel and they don't missionize and they don't, uh, in fact, they forbid uh, missionizing, uh, targeting Jews. <laughs> they have their beliefs, but they they respond so amazingly. Uh, you have to experience it to get it. And, and actually, there were more yarmulkes there than I've seen in the past. People who come there because it's it's so encouraging and, and reassuring. There are 11 and a half million members of Kufai, and they add 100,000 members a month uh, to the organizations, um, various uh, divisions and, and parts. They have youth, they have campus, and they're very outspoken. They go to the Hill. They don't take any prisoners. They really argue and make the case. And Nikki Haley is amongst their favorites, and they have her most years too and she's uh, you know she gave a very political speech it was broadcast you know the whole all of this is uh, shown on television and they have many people who who watch it and who watch it later and so there were clearly hints in her speech nothing explicit nothing um more than than that but that was enough to to at least get it on the on the record and to get people's tongues wagging about it. I mean, imagine that, uh, you know, a, a, a speaker there feels the advantage of mentioning, you know, canceling the Iran deal. Imagine being in a crowd like that that appreciates it to the degree that they do. Uh, and talks about Jerusalem United and talks about yeah. the fact that we don't, we can't put a consulate in Jerusalem or shouldn't be going there without a American, the Israel, American, uh, Israeli flag in Jerusalem. I mean, she hits all the points, the sensitive points in that crowd reacts yeah. very strongly. There's a crowd that's so receptive to those messages is unbelievable. By the way, the Glen Ivy win in Maryland's fourth, it, it, it reassures us a little bit that uh, you know when the pro-Israel community try, gets behind and supports a candidate, progress can be made. Yes, it's, you know, there's new tactics and APAC has changed its focus, others, because it's it's an addressing a reality, and especially when they're pitted against J Street, putting a million dollars against the, the candidate they back, and in many of the, these races, uh, they're on opposite sides. And uh, this case, a lot of money was spent, millions of dollars. Uh, but it's it's the defense against the the in, in, uh, support that they get from various other maybe even outside sources, but certainly various other sources that can pour a lot of money into to it. You know, everybody talks about Soros and the DA races. Right. Um, you know, if people are willing to put the money in, then they get the results, and we then pay the price. So these races are very important. They send an important message, and and I think it gives cover for those who do want to support Israel but are intimidated or afraid because then the opposition becomes much more vocal and and organizes against them. So we have to stand by our friends, and, and one way of doing it is political contributions, two is political support, three, getting out the vote. And that's really critical. If people don't go out and vote, then the results will be clear. And we have some races in New York City, which are very hot congressional races. We very important if people who will not stand up and support Israel get elected. Yeah, no question about that. Uh, I'm actually a resident in, uh, in 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 the brand new New York 10th district. Big election coming up August 23rd. Right. And as some and people don't even know that, and when I mention it to them, they look at you blankly. What election? You know, yeah. is it in November? Is it? No, the big election in New York because of the 
political setup here, especially in New York City, is that the Democratic primary is usually the election. Yeah. I think the gubernatorial election is an exception. There are other elections statewide where it's different. And New York will be watched. And someone actually said to me last week about that seat, about the New York 10th, uh, they said, a progressive is going to win this election. It may as well be a progressive that likes Israel. So now we have a new category. We've got, we've got you know, a new category, a, a progressive, someone who aligns with the squad on many issues, but yet, it, but yet the pro-Israel community, political community, will tell you that they are reliable when it comes to voting for Israel. So we, we meet well, all— Well, as opposed to somebody who is not good on Israel and yeah. still aligns with them. So Correct. Yes, it's, Correct. it's very important. I don't, I don't like the term progressive, but right. Well, you don't because I don't think they're progressive. Yeah, I'm utilizing the media. Supporting Israel is progressive. Yeah, utilizing the media's term for them. Uh, yes. The, the um, uh, but again, it's you know I, I don't want to call it lesser of two evils. That's not fair uh, because I don't know these candidates personally. But the the point is that this category now exists. Um, we have to come to a reality. I was told that this is the direction of New York State and New York City. I should say New York City of New York City. And uh, if, if this is in fact the direction, at least someone representing that district should be somebody who has a good voting record or a good uh, a political record when it comes to Israel. It's a very interesting uh, and different time. Speaking of elections, by the way, there is an election coming up in Israel. I know, I know that it's I know that's way too early for this, but I did find it interesting that the religious Zionists under Ben Gvir do have 13 seats at least in the polls at this point. They may be a bigger player down the road than uh, than, than uh, we thought originally. Absolutely. And uh, the, um, whether they could be brought into coalitions right. may become a mute question. They may become very critical yeah. to coalitions. It's still very early to predict what, what will happen there. As you know, it's very mercurial, and still the margin is very slim to get to 61 votes. But that is one of the phenomena that people are watching and seeing old faces come back, even on the extreme left. And, you know, some parties that are likely not even to make the cut, um, including the former prime minister Bennett's uh, own party. So it's very interesting to see how the numbers will will fluctuate. Yeah, that's for sure. And watching the Labor Party in the polls at six mandates is really unbelievable because if there was one thing about Israel, and we saw this so many times over the last few decades, is that the major parties, the old established major parties, always had some influence on the political scene. And now it looks like, uh, from their example, that it's just not the case anymore. Do you agree with Shurat Hadin that uh, the United Nations Human Rights Council should be labeled as anti-Semitic? It labeled itself anti-Semitic. It is, its activities are so far beyond the fringe. The fact that Israel is the only country subject to a, a, a separate item on the agenda and the condemnation to condemn Israel more than all the other countries. And you have, you know, Venezuela and the Irans and Iraqs and all of them sitting in judgment of Israel. The, the, uh, I absolutely believe that, uh, you know, you, President Trump pulled out. We went back in thought that we could balance it. I don't see the balancing taking place, not because they don't try. The United States does speak out in the council, but there's no way we can overcome the, the numbers there. We have to use our leverage. And in particular, this commission of inquiry, which is open-ended, completely funded, will have a big staff in addition to do committees on the Palestinians that operate with millions of dollars of UN money every year for decades. You know, and all the, the only purpose is to target Israel. They don't do anything to benefit Palestinians or anybody else. And now you have this open 
commission of inquiry, which will be free to investigate anything and everything and go to the uh, ICC, International Criminal Court. That's the goal, is to label Israel an apartheid state, is to, to, to come out with the conclusions. Then they do it under the guise of the UN, and people say, well, that's respectable, it's the United Nations. No, it isn't, and we should make sure to withdraw our funding for this commission of inquiry. Any money, the percentage that we give should be, should be blocked, and, uh, and we have to take a stronger stand because it does have an impact. I know people don't think so. People generally just dismiss it. They don't see an article or that they don't, you know, they don't even notice it. It's very important. You know, the, the incidents that took place now with the, uh, you saw the Mossad film showing them interviewing or interrogating somebody in Tehran again, mm-hmm. and so much so that the Iranians had to acknowledge it and and comment at a very high level about it. But that easily could become then the subject of the commission of inquiry, sure. not because they're dealing with people who are, are planning and who announced their plan to annihilate the state and violate all standards of the United Nations and of human rights on a constant basis. Half the executions in the world going on in Iran, they don't get called before the Human Rights Council. All the persecution, prosecutions that are going on, they don't get called. They sit there in judgment at times, and, and, and uh, you know, Venezuela and all of the others joining them in, uh, at, at the United Nations. So Israel will never have a fair shake there. And I think it's, it's, um, uh, it's, it's imperative that people understand what happens. It's not to dismiss everything the United Nations does. Uh, I think a tougher stand is really called for. Uh, the Mahmoud Abbas visit to Paris, uh, so the analysis or the conjecture was that he wants the EU to uh, take a more prominent role as broker of Middle East peace. It's funny, maybe this happened when basically you know President Trump put an end to all this, but I, mean, I, I don't even look at the EU as a as a uh, effective broker at this point, especially if the U.S. support, again, under Trump much less than now, if the U.S. support is not there. Is this at all a realistic plan on Abbas's part? We don't know what Abbas really wants. I think Abbas just wants to live out his term, doesn't want to make any concessions, is not interested in negotiations. Um, in fact, we saw the EU Foreign Minister's Council, the, the Association Council, renewed after more than 10 years, I think, that they haven't uh, uh, met, that they voted. And this is the 27 EU Foreign Ministers to strengthen economic diplomatic ties with Israel. And this coming at the same time as uh, Abbas's re- outreach to, to them. And I think uh, this means that they, Israel can benefit, its citizens can benefit from uh, the relationships there. It's still their number one trading partner. Uh, so anything that happens in the EU is, is significant. Uh, there is a great enthusiasm about supporting Abbas. It's not like the old days, you know, the Palestinian issue, even in the Arab world, when you saw that the Saudis supposedly said, well, we can't have diplomatic relations until it's a two-state solution. I think buys them time. I can tell you that in speaking to Saudi leaders in the past, there isn't great enthusiasm about it. They, they feel that their money has been stolen, that it's a kleptocracy, and uh, that's true of many other Arab leaders uh, because they don't feel that the Palestinians are ready to make the decisions and sit down and negotiate. And I think the administration tried to balance it, it uh, during the visit um, but the, the, there isn't the, the groundswell of support that one would see. There is still sympathy, and it's still an issue. And those who dismiss it are, are wrong. It becomes a popular rallying call 
for people to for leaders to say you know that they 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 use the Palestinian issue they exploit it they don't help it they're not sending money there they're not helping the people and projects and things by and large so you know you have to see beneath the surface a lot of this is show. He's in his 18th year of a four-year term. That's a much bigger <laughs> issue in the in the Palestinian territories. The fact that they don't have elections and that they don't have another leader that they can turn to, they think will will um, would win and be decisive. The fact is that Hamas would likely win an election, not yeah. in Gaza alone, in the West Bank, yeah, yeah. in Judea, and, in that in Judea and Samaria areas that uh, under Palestinian Authority control. Yep, that's the reality at this point. Uh, finally, did you think the uh, prosecutor or judge or whoever's in that video was a little too tough on Netanyahu when it came to the Mayron testimony? I, I think that generally it's open season on, uh, on Netanyahu, but, but this he, was, he, handles, this, he handles himself well. I agree, uh, but this was so I mean, over the top, it seemed. Yeah, they. but so are some of the other the the, the, um, the cases that people have assessed it as being, you know, very targeted and stuff. But, uh, yes, it was, it was very harsh and, you know, people are all avoiding responsibility for, for what took place. Oh, that's for sure. I think it's ridiculous to think that the prime minister though, really knows the details of the specific security arrangements. Right. Uh, he said he dealt with the COVID thing because that was a national, uh, priority issue that they, he was addressing. Right. But, uh, I don't think he, 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 even a governor, or in some cases, or others, would be responsible here for local security arrange, arrangements for an event. And now they've taken some remedial measures, but as you saw, even that broke down this yeah. year. Any comment on the uh, resignation of the Italian prime minister? He's, he was a friend, and he was that um, instability in Europe is not good. For anybody right. and Italy, you know, was competing always with Israel about who has more governments and whose governments last shorter. Uh, Israel got ahead a little bit, so I think they wanted to catch <laughs> up. But <laughs> uh, but it's um, uh, you know you, you see in, in France that the uh, how unstable Macron's coalition is. The fact that he got a minority in the parliament, you see that. Other countries in Europe, uh, England, the government falling apart uh, with Johnson's um, resignation. So this instability, coupled with the economic crisis that they're facing and the uh, and, and the extreme heat, all it could be a a, a uh, unpleasant coalescence of events that could be very unsettling. And then anti-Semites always take advantage, and anti-Israel forces will always take advantage of that. Understood. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak Amir Tashem next week. You too. Be well. Have a good Shabbos and good Chodesh. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents and Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays, 8.40 a.m. Eastern Time, here for the weekly update at JM in the AM. I remind everybody that our good friend Dr. Jay Bienenfeld is in need of a kidney. Uh, those of you who would like to be in touch with our friends at Renewal uh, to explore the um, possibility of uh, being a match, um, please use the following email address. Please use the following email address. It's r two five 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 at renewal.org. To learn more about kidney donation, to see if you're a match for Dr. J. Bienenfeld, r two five 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 at renewal dot org r two five 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 at renewal dot org and uh, of course your help with that is greatly 
appreciated. JM and the AM Friday morning hour of Shabbos. We'll be up at Camp Hask for Hask Experience Day. Malcolm, uh, excuse me, Miriam Alwalik and I will be uh, co-hosting the broadcast on Sunday, which means you'll hear it Monday morning between 6 and 9 a.m., our Camp Hask Day here at JM and the AM. Make sure to be tuned in. Candle lighting at 8 o'clock here in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Pinchas. Pinchas is read outside of Israel this week. We bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av is Friday. Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av is one week from today on Friday morning. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader emeritus, congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow, you have the privilege of reading Parshas Pinchas. I say you because I have the privilege of being in Eretz Yisrael, where the Shabbos we're going to be reading Parshas Matos. We are one week still ahead of you, and we will come together on the Shabbos before Tisha B'Av. And from then on, please God, we are on the same page. You're going to be reading Pashas Pinchas. Pashas Pinchas, according to the Chinuch, contains six positive mitzvos, and I will, please God, get back to Pinchas in just a moment. Allow me just to share with you where I am, because this is one of those permissible jealousies. I am doing the, this program from Ramat Beit Shemesh, but it's already Friday, and my mind is on Shabbos. The Shabbos, I hope to be in Svas, and just know that there are four cities in the land of Israel that are known as Ir HaKodesh. Yerushalayim, Ir HaKodesh. Hebron, Ir HaKodesh. Tiveria, Ir HaKodesh. And Svas, Ir HaKodesh. Now, those of you who have been to Tzvas know exactly what I'm talking about, that literally, Avira Da'ara, the very environment of the community, has and evokes spirituality. In addition, why did the Beis Yosef and why did the Arizal, these great Sadiqim, come to Tzvas? So, interestingly, the Gemara at the end of Rosh Hashanah tells us that at the time of this destruction of the second base on Bigdosh prior to the actual Hurban, the Sanhedrin, which met in the base on Bigdosh plaza, meaning not the actual plaza facing what we call today the Kotel, but in the environs of the base on Bigdosh. <coughs> so the <clears throat> Gemara tells us that once it left Yerushalayim, there were ten stops that it made working its way up north. And be it that Tveria was the last one, or Tzfas, when they came back to Eretz Yisrael, they had the Misora that the Mashiach would follow the way the Sanhedrin was exiled and work its way down from 10, 9, 8 until it came to the Mokam Amigdash. They went to Tzfas to greet the Moshiach. The idea is they were so sure that the Moshiach 
is going to come. Anima min bemuna shleima. And that's the way I think it's so important for us to begin this morning coming from the holy city of Tzvas, but a strong reminder to us that we are in that time ready, waiting for Moshiach. The Bnei Yisosra says, and why do we always read Pasha's Pinchas within the three weeks? Not just because it has the Korbanos, of which I will speak about one in a moment, but the Torah tells us in this week's parsha, Le'ela Techolei Ka'aretz. This is the manner, the fashion in which Eretz Yisrael is going to be divided. It was divided among the Shvatim, and again, don't fall asleep during the Kriyasa Torah saying it's not relevant. The answer is the Korbanos are coming back. The Chalukah Sa'aretz, the division of the land, is coming back. It's exceedingly exciting. Of the six mitzvos, positive mitzvos, in Pinchas, you have the Korbanos Musaf. And one of the Korbanos Musaf is the Korban Musaf of Rosh Chodesh, that we recite each and every Rosh Chodesh. And there's something very special about the Korban of Rosh Chodesh, namely that the Torah says that it, you are to bring a so'ir, good, a chatos, but it is a chatos l'ashem. Oy, 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 my goodness, God doesn't need a, quote, sin offering. So what does that mean? So I'm reading from the end, and I will go back to the beginning of the Gemara in a minute. This is Hulin 60b. Omar HaKodesh Baruch Hu, so'ir zeh. This so'ir goat should be a kapora, an atonement, al shemi'atati es for the fact that I have diminished the moon. If it sounds a little esoteric, hold on, and I hope by the time we finish, it will be understanding. The Gemara begins a few lines down from the top on 60b of Chulim. Reb Shimon Mempazi asked the following question. On the one hand, the Torah says in the first chapter of creation, in verse 16, Torah says that God made the two great luminaries. And then, afterwards, it says, the Ma'or Hagadol, the large luminary for the day, and the Ma'or Hakotan, and the smaller luminary for the night. Oy, oy, oy. What's going on here? Are they both gadol? Are they both big? Or is one large and one small? So the Gemara goes on to explain. Umra Yoreach Lifnea Kodesh Baruchu. The moon proclaimed and said before God, Ribono Shalola, Master of the Universe, Efshal Lishnei Malachim, Sheishtam Shebekeserechot, is it possible for two kings to share one crown? Meaning that if there are two luminaries, one has to be the more prevalent one. Amale, so Amalok, God said to it, Lechi go umati es atzmech, and diminish yourself. Amra Lefanov, 
So the moon said to God, Now before we go any further, you might say to yourself, Oh, come on. The rabbis had nothing else to do but to give us the conversation between the moon and God. But there's going to be, as you shall see, incredible depth to this piece of Gemara. Amr fun of Ribona Shalom. The moon said, Hoel, since, and I said something proper, I have to diminish myself. So God tries different things to appease her. The first first thing it says is go and rule by day and by night. And the um, Levana asks, Oh, come on, Shraga Batira Mayahani, what good is a candle during the day? What good is the moon shining during the day? Okay, so the next thing is God says, Go and Yisrael will count the days and years based upon the moon, which we know that each Rosh Chodesh goes after 29 and a half days of the cycle of the moon, so, but the moon says, come on, the sun is also involved with the seasons, okay, uh, so therefore, we're getting closer to home, the Kodesh Baruch Hu says, go, and the Tzadikim will be called after you, Yaakov is called by the Novi Amos, in chapter 7, verse 2, Yaakov HaKotan, and Shmuel HaKotan is from the first book of Shmuel, chapter 17, Pasuk 14. And um, David is called David HaKotan. So we have three great tzaddikim known as Kotan. But now, here it goes. Amra Kodesh Baruch Kapara Alai bring what everybody would normally translate as an atonement, because I diminish the moon. Now, says the Chidushe Agados of the Maharal, the Maharal Mi Prague. This is in Chidushe Agados of Shavuos. Chas Shalom for us to understand these words in the normal, usual way. The word kapara doesn't only mean a atonement, but kapara means to take away. And he brings the pasuk from uh, Yaakov when he sends the gift to Esav, achapra ponecha. I will take away the anger that's in your face. And the word chait is not only understood as sin, but once again, chait refers to the removal, as in Mechatos, the Para Aduma, the ash and the water of the Para Aduma are called the waters of Chatos. There's no sin there. A person was part of the Hebra Kadisha, he becomes Tomei. This removes the Tuma. It's not always that the word Kapora and chait is to be associated with sin. So the first thing the Maral says is, when we learn this Gemara, we're not talking about any sin. But note, and here goes everybody, everything which HaKadosh Baruch Hu created, He created exactly the way it was at creation, and that's the way it is exactly today. Nothing of nature has changed except that Hashem built into the Yoreach, into the moon, that it should go cycles, cyclical. With, at the very beginning of the month, you can't see 
in the Lamana. And then in the middle of the month, a full moon. Why? So we have many Midrashim which say one thing, Yisrael Nimshulu Lalavana. The Jewish people are compared to the moon. That just as the moon goes through cycles, so too to the Jewish people. And the moon is the uh, standard bearer speaking each and every month to the Jewish people that even though you are small, you can make yourselves big, you can change, you can grow, and you can have the effect that you're supposed to have on society. Moreover, says the Maharal, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu made the Levana, the moon, intentionally smaller, leaving room for man to complete the process of creation. Just as Tunis Rufus Harasha in the Gemara Bava Basra asks Rabbi Akiva, okay, why wasn't man created circumcised? If God wants him to be circumcised, and Merbekiva answers that he, Hashem, left room for man to complete the process of himself. Man completes himself, and as the Chinuch learns, just as he completes himself physically, so too can he complete his environment around him and raise it spiritually, so too is the Lavana. And this very important idea of the Lavana is teaching us the Marsha in his parish, Chidushe Agados, in Bukhoros, Ches Amid makes the following statement that there are 21 days from the beginning of the month of Tishrei till we come to Sukkos. And now, listen carefully, there are 21 days in Bein HaMetzarim between Shavasa Betamus and Tishabav. And just as the 21 days in Tishrei have that capacity of tshuva, of bringing man closer to God, so too these three weeks have the capacity to bring us closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that we should have a realization that we should focus on the Kriyas HaTorah this Shabbos, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, the Sa'ir Lashem. This chatos is because Hashem built into nature the diminution, challenging us that we are, number one, to be like the Levana, to be like Yaakov, to be like David, to be like Shmuel, to realize that man has to be maktin himself. You have to literally exercise, humility, modesty, and as a result of our conducting ourselves in a modest fashion, practicing humility, 
this brings out ultimately the big, the greatness of man. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu uses the Levana to show the great potential of this world. And therefore, so too, Yisrael Nimshalu Lelavana, the Marsha in the Gemara Chulin 60b points out that God says to the Jewish people, be like the Levana, you are going to be small in this world in order that you will be big in the world to come. There's so much that we don't understand. But once a month, as we complete Kiddush Levana, we say, Yehi Ratzon, may it be your will, God. Lemalos Pekimas Alevana, to fill the floor, F-L-A-W, of the moon. Amazing, of all the things on our mind, we're concerned about the diminution of the moon. And the answer is, this is the secret to our life in this world. Atem HaMa'at Mikol Amim. At the end of Parshas Eschanan, we are charged that we are the smallest of all the nations. But guess what? Just as we are assured that the moon will someday be restored to its pristine place with equal rain to the sun, so too will Klal Yisrael have its place in the cosmos with everybody recognizing that we and we alone held on to the Amuna Shlema, believe in HaKadosh Baruch Hu all the years, and please God, will bring about the building of that third Beis HaMikdash, Bimheira Biyameinu, Amen. JM in the AM, my thanks to Rabbi Yudin, of course, uh, on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Pinchas, as he noted, outside of Israel. Uh, well, we have a special guest in our temporary makeshift studio, call it whatever you want. I think we're going now more with temporary than we are with makeshift <laughs> here in Teaneck, New Jersey. That's our amazing friend. He's always a friend first. Uh, and also a very popular substitute host of JM in the AM for God knows how many decades, more than either he or I would care to discuss publicly at this point. Uh, it's Mayor Ferdig who's here in studio at JM in the AM. And what a pleasure to say good morning to you, sir. Good morning. Thank you for inviting me. I'm going to first wish you and uh, Hani a Mazel Tov, Leora's engagement, the wedding's upcoming. Thank you. Yes, it's in soon. about a month. Yeah. Mazel Tov to you and Stacey Thank as well. Thank you very much. It's nice we to have good things to talk about. Continue to share smachot and see the oh, families man. expand and see the JM and the AM family expand. Baruch oh, Hashem. Man. Uh, and uh, Mayor Furtick, first of all, again, a big thank you, because, I mean, in the most recent time was during a real crunch uh, when you subbed for me at JM and the AM. And uh, as I joked yesterday on the air, if you're already coming here this morning, maybe I'll sit down with a calendar and, and, this, and decide which days you're going to be doing in the future. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> and um, I, I just, I, I felt that it was fair, really fair, and, and honestly, a... Uh, I mean, I, you're probably going to cringe if I say I'm obligated. No, but well, I'm cringing. <laughs> but Please. I just felt we should update everybody on on what you're doing these days because I, I think you, at at the minimum, deserve that recognition from uh, from us here and this audience. Uh, 
So, therefore, in your capacity as uh, one of the partners at the HVAC Ready Air and Heat Company, I say good morning, Mayor Ferdinand. Good morning. Thank you. There is no obligation. Is, I know, and I thank you for that. Is it hard to learn this whole industry? Is it hard? Because I'm assuming that when you first thought of this or when you first be, was made aware of it, I would assume you had limited skills in this area. Is that fair to say? It is fair to say. Um, it is it is hard, but I think the bigger picture of, you know, sort of digging and deep and changing careers midlife, totally. I mean, because right. pe people who know me know that I spent my life behind a desk for the most part. Correct. Um, so that that was the most challenging part, but it's also the most wonderful part. I and, mean, that's and what challenging, I meaning it was very hard. There were days that it were impossible. How would you describe the psychology behind it? Well, the psychology behind it is that um, I woke up. I wouldn't say I woke up one day. Over a period of time, I realized I really wanted nothing more to do with corporate communications, right. even even working for nonprofits and such wonderful organizations as I did, and always being on board with the mission. I never would have t gone to work for an organization I wasn't on board with uh, mission-wise, but I just didn't want to do it anymore. But why this? And, there are a thousand other well, things out there. Well, Hani and I have always wanted to own our own business. Right. We've wanted... my The first business that... The first time that I tried to start a business was before 9-11. My cousin Ellie and I had a great business idea involving radio, and it involved public transportation. This is pre-streaming and, and pre, you know, and all that stuff. And we were negotiating with the Metropolitan Transportation Authority in the, at the executive level um, to bring our idea to fruition. It was a very complex, cool idea. And then 9-11 happened. And they suddenly got busy rebuilding all the transportation in Lower right. Manhattan, and they didn't have time for any good ideas like ours. You know, they were busy with their stuff. And so that the point is, we've wanted a business to be our, you know, for, for to be my own boss, so to speak, for a long time. So I'm going to ask one more time: Why this? There are a million businesses out there. There are franchises. There's different efforts, both in, both in the kosher and Jewish community, mm -hmm. and outside in the secular, regular community. So why this? The idea of working um, of working with my hands was very appealing. I did not want to do something that would ultimately just leave me behind a desk again. It's funny because as one gets older, one would think they'd True. want less physical activity. So Baruch like Hashem, that. I'm able to do it. I right. hope it continues. That's God, that's in God's hands, not right. mine. Um, but I wanted to not be behind a desk for the rest of my life. I wanted to be active. The idea, of course, is to grow the business to the point where there are other people doing right. the work. And I understand that right. sooner or later, mm -hmm. and if I'm fortunate, well, I'll wind up behind a desk a lot of the time. That's <laughs> that's okay. But um, it's your own desk, <laughs> right? Exactly. You know what? I have a partner, so which is important, by the way, because um, you know, especially for people who have like uh, you know short attention spans and things like that, it's good to have accountability. Right. But I'm my own boss. We're our own bosses. And I cannot tell you how wonderful that is. Yeah. The irony, by the way, and I was thinking about this, um, is that for 25 plus years or 30 years, Mayor Weingarten, all of us shalom, would always say to me, Never have your own business. Right. Mayor would always say that to me. Because everybody in this situation they're Correct. in is never recommending it to others. Correct. <laughs> Mayor would always say to me, never have your own business. And it may be the only advice of mayors that I didn't take, by the way. Because <laughs> right. Mayor was such a fount of good advice. Um, and, but And that's true. But the fact is that having your own business. Especially one you your love. Boss, right. right. I, I like what I do. 
I like anything that I've ever done. The satisfaction for me has come from helping people, whatever it is, or doing something that's useful to people. I could never um, do anything just involving, like literally just involving widgets or, or something meaningless or that's impossible. But, you know, in our business, we will go into somebody's house, you know, who's got no heat in the summer or no heat in the winter or no cold in the, uh, in the, in the, in the summer, you know what I'm saying? And, and help them. Hopefully we're able to, you know, get it right back on and, you know, in 20 minutes or a half hours, you know, most of the time. Well, that's pretty huge. So there's a lot of satisfaction that comes from that. Um, this this business um, has a lot of, you know, e- even though you're working with your hands, you're working with your head because there's a lot of diagnosis Strategy. and a lot of thinking. Right. Um, you know, I mean, air conditioning has, you know, only X number of things most of the time that could be wrong with it. Um, heating a little bit more challenging, but there's a lot of you know you got to know what you're doing. You walk into this building, do you immediately start looking at the vents that are on top of it. So it's funny. I actually did. I actually did. And do you realize uh, it's very cold here or not? I I think that's delightful. Personally, I see that you look a little a little cold. Possibly it, 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 early in the morning it's always cold in this building. Now, well, I've only been here since April, so I can't tell you what happens during the winter. But that, that's the situation here. I always remember my first. Um, my second radio job, my first on-air job, was in a. Um, it was a period of time where it was very difficult for me to get away to sub many, many, many years ago right. because I was doing newscasts for a small company um, that had a, a really talk about a makeshift studio in Newark. I remember that right in in, a, in an old drafty warehouse. Right, I would walk in there at you know four thirty in the morning. It would be boiling hot in the summer. It would be freezing <laughs> cold in the winter. And <laughs> and I'd have to, you know, write, even though I couldn't quite move my fingers for half the year, you know, it was so cold. I'd have to write newscasts for six or seven radio stations. And, and that was makeshift. And that was, so this is, this right, is a This is a Mayor Furtick is here. The bottom line is, if you're in New Jersey... Right? Do you service yeah. the entire state or this Not area? the entire state, but Bergen, uh, you know, Passaic, uh, certainly uh, Essex County as well, um, Union County. If you're anywhere in this vicinity, yeah. we're in Bergen County right now, you could be in touch with uh, HVAC, Ready Air, and Heat. Uh, they've got a phone number, which is 201-357-0838. That's 201-357-0838. And this would be for somebody who either wants to install or or upgrade or uh, fix correct a uh, broken of, air right. conditioning system, heating system, etc. Right. Most importantly, right now, if you know if it's really hot right. and your air conditioning stops working, yeah, there must uh, be people who love when you show up. You know, this uh, the heat wave is a yeah. uh, is is a pretty pretty good time for business. I yeah, guess. I can imagine so. because there are people who wouldn't yeah. normally turn on that air conditioner, but they have no choice now. You know, I was in somebody's house just the other day who said it was the first time this season she turned on her air conditioner. Right. I'm like, well, there turned out to be nothing wrong with her air conditioner. She had all her vents closed and blocked. So <laughs> that will that's tend that easy will fix. tend to impede function. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> that, that really happened. It's so hot in the apartments where I live that yeah. there are people who have their air conditioning on all year round. Really? Well, you know, they give oh, steam. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah, New York City. New York course, City gives right. steam, like, you know, <laughs> right. once August 15th. I mean, the truth is, I think it's October 15th. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, but it we feels can joke like around August, right. August exactly. it's already time to bring the heat. Exactly. And that uh, phone number works for uh, voice, text, and WhatsApp, by the way. Voice, text, and WhatsApp, 201-357-0838. Don't fix your air conditioning or heating system without speaking to Mayor Fertig first. Uh, well, web- if, if you know how to do it yourself, then right. God bless. But uh, <laughs> Website, anything else that... Uh, eh, not really. It's 
I'll mean, basically just be in touch yeah. with the customers. Yeah, just uh, HVAC Ready LLC. I mean, there you can see uh, you can see reviews on Google. Nice. Thank God there are a lot of nice reviews. Um, but that phone number two zero one three five seven zero eight three eight. All right, and um, the good news is that even though you've gone ahead and uh, changed your full time career, you are still thank God. Uh, a substitute host at JM and the AM, and the one that's uh, looked forward to by many listeners out there. Thank you. That's very nice. Yeah. And it's almost easier when you're, own, when you're your own boss. Right. It's almost easier when you're on this type of schedule. And frankly, yeah. now in 2022, as many have already experienced, uh, it's unbelievable that the show can be done from the comfort of one, one's own home and that you could turn your dining room into a radio studio. You know, it's funny about that. But many year, years before we went digital... Before the Nachum Single right. Network went all digital, right. I thought, oh my God, that would be so cool to be able to do the show from my from my dining room table, which is where I do the show from now. Right. Um, but the truth of the matter is I miss I miss the studio. Yep. I you're, do. You're talking to the right guy. I, I don't I don't even mean your studio, no, no, which we had this yeah. big loss. You right. know, the but of fire, course, but any just, studio. I, being I, in a studio, right? Surrounded by equipment. Correct. Someone interviewed me from Israel and yeah. said, What's the thing you, you miss the most? Yeah. And you can imagine, with all the nostalgia that we lost, right. there's a lot I could have said. And you know what I said? I said, you're a radio guy, so you will get this. I miss the board the most. Yes. My board yes. that I invested so many hours into. Exactly that is what right. I miss the most. That was my central command. And your board that was on uh, in the Lower East sure. Side was one of, I guess, two or three identical ones from, from WFMU, I Co think. It was identical to an old FMU board, but it was actually from WOR. That board was from WOR. Oh, really? Yes. But so that was the Everybody board. was using those boards in those days. Right. So that board is, I mean, aside from whatever training I had at Brooklyn College, which was really, was, wasn't a great radio board that right. they had there. They had a very sophisticated audio board and it was, it was too much Not a real it. broadcast board. Right, exactly. But that board is what I learned radio on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, are you kidding? Yeah. Don't, don't get me started. Yeah. But yes, there's no question that there's, a, and it's funny because people ask about the future and, and I've, I've mentioned this on the air already yeah. that we finished stage one in terms of our Manhattan studio and the next couple of stages are going to be very interesting to see what direction they go in. Mm -hmm. um, but the, uh, the, um, but, but one of the pieces to this whole uh, studio rebuild is we're considering, you know, multiple studios. Uh, possibly having a New York and New Jersey studio. We're not, we're not possibly, we're not sure yet exactly how it's going to work. Fantastic. Believe me, everything's in the air right now. Yeah. But because uh, there's such a much, there's a, such a lower entry level in terms of equipment. Uh, correct. The equipment needs are different. And yeah. also, you know, community and neighborhood um, um, dynamics are different than they were when we moved into lower Manhattan years That's ago. A great idea. But the, the, but why do I mention all this? Because yeah. people say, well, you know, if, if you if you would restrict yourself in any way, and again, this is not what's happening, but I'm yeah. just saying that this was in conversation. If you restrict yourself from the Manhattan studio at times, what are you going to do during an emergency? You know, blizzard or, you know, the, and I said, I hate to tell you, the blizzard studio is already built. <laughs> that That's one in my exactly. son's bedroom that's already built. Right. I, I've got the emergency studio right. if I wake up at 6 a.m. Do you have one of these setups in there? And we have exactly the same setup. Excellent. So... You know, I remember, if I know there's a bad weather forecast, all I got to do is take this because this is always with me. I got to take this with me, and that's about it. When I was the managing editor at WCBS many years ago, we spent months working on an emergency <laughs> plan, plan. <laughs> an emergency plan for if we couldn't get to the Manhattan Studios, right. and we created this. It was it was like like a three quarters of an inch thick manual about moving the entire news radio operation to the WFAN studios in Queens. Right. And it was this huge thing. Now you just 
go on from anywhere. And you know what's funny about the whole thing? Yeah. I, I've built part of my career reputation mm-hmm. on emergencies. Yes. He was there during the blackout. He was there during 9-11. He was there during Correct. the blizzard. He slept in the radio station mm-hmm. for two, three nights. And now, right. <laughs> there's no reason to do that anymore. Exactly. Oh, you thought you were a hero, did you? And people say that, that, that only radio people like yourself right. you know, get that mm-hmm. mentality. Right. Of, sure. And now... You know, it's right. We're gonna have fewer of those type of radio people because they don't. You don't have to make the you same sacrifice. Like people won't get it. Yeah. Anyway, thank you, Nachum. A pleasure, uh, Mayor Fertig, uh, Baruch Hashem, an amazing friend. Baruch Hashem, a great um, uh, WFMU, WFMU, a great JM the AM substitute host, great WFMU substitute host also. Uh, but right now. Uh, get down this phone number because if you are in the Bergen County, Hudson County, Union County, uh, Passaic County, am I forgetting anything? Yeah, that'll do. Ari- no, Rockland County, Rockland also. County area, Riverd- Riverdale, Riverdale. If you're in that, uh, if you're in that vicinity and you need help with your air conditioning and/or heat, the number is two zero one three five seven zero eight three eight two zero one three five seven zero eight three eight. Thank Aaron, you so thank much. You. Thank you. Looking really forward to celebrate it. some wonderful smachot Amen. over the next few months, please, God. Amen. Um, all right. Before we do, in fact, uh, wish everybody a good Shabbos and play our <laughs> what has been our Shabbos, uh, our Arab Shabbos theme uh, for God knows how many decades. Let me just remind you that this coming Sunday, we're up at Camp Hask. Miriam Wallach and I are going to be co-hosting a Hask Experience Day show that you'll hear on Monday morning. Between 6 and 9 a.m. I visit Camp Misora on Monday. That'll be Tuesday mornings, J.M. in the a.m. And then on Thursday, in the chair that Mayor Fertig's in right now, Jason Greenblatt's going to join us. We get to do a face-to-face interview about his brand-new book, which has uh, already made a you know made quite an impression out there, to say the least, getting amazing reviews. And he will be here, and we'll talk about the Trump administration and specifically the Abraham Accords and uh, what went on during that period of time. He writes all about it in the brand-new book, and we'll have it for you on Thursday. Don't forget, it's Erev Shabbos Parshas Pinchas outside of Israel, candle lighting at 8 o'clock. Make sure you know when things start where you are. And we do bench Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av. Rosh Chodesh will be a week from today on Friday morning. And it is, in fact, time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM.
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing week for us here at JM in the AM. Coming up, amazing music all day long, brought to you by the wonderful people at Ked. And we call it our Arab Shabbos music mix. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer's Wickler. Join him starting at 6 a.m., excuse me, starting at 9 p.m. or 9.30 p.m. tomorrow night, Eastern Time. On Sunday, it's 7 a.m. for Matis and the uh, JM Sunday broadcast. That goes from 7 till 9 a.m. And right afterwards, we're going to be up at Hask, not doing it live uh, uh, Sunday morning, but you'll hear the show between 6 and 9 a.m. on Monday. Make sure to join us for Hask Experience Day on Monday morning. And thanks so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend, everybody. Until uh, next week, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.